Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Canaan STL Podcast, brought to you by Canaan Baptist Church, where we exist to connect you to what matters most, to God, to people, and to purpose. Well, this is Pastor Daniel, and again today, I'm joined by the one and only Pastor Martin Winslow. How are you doing today, Martin? Great, Daniel. Excited to talk about post-millennialism. I know you are. This is your new passion, right? Yep, that's right. That's wow. Right. I, don't, I don't get it, but hey, we're, we're, we're in this process journey together, right? That's I'm right. definitely trying to be open-minded to try to understand your ways here, so it's all good. But no, what we've been doing in this series is looking at the different views of eschatology. Of course, eschatology means the study of the end. And so we were looking at the, the four major views uh, that theologians hold for eschatology. And so uh, we kind of started with a few, a few different sessions where we just looked at kind of broad overviews and that sort of thing. Then we've been in this kind of section of our series where we're taking one, one episode and we're looking at each one of the four views. And today we finished that up by looking at the fourth and final view post-millennialism. Yep. We've already looked at dispensational premillennialism. We've already looked at historical premillennialism. Last week, we looked at amillennialism, and today it's post-millennialism. So, you being a newly convert to post-millennialism, going on record last week, yep. stating emphatically, you are now <laughs> post-mill. That was, a, that was a new thing, wasn't it? I know you've kind of been in transition for some time. Yeah. Bouncing kind of between transitioning a dangerous word today. <laughs> oh, it, oh, it is. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Context, man, context. Yeah. So, that's um, right. so <clears throat> with this being a passion of yours now, just you know, in just a couple of minutes, unpack what is post millennialism. Post millennialism, it, it, it's a belief that Christ will return after the millennium is complete, and it's a very optimistic way to look at the future as the gospel continues to go forth. Um, during this church age, what will happen is the world will progressively be evangelized. More and more believers, uh, people will come to faith all over the world. If you look at like a Romans 11, you see this culminating act of the gospel reaching the Gentiles and the nations, and then all of Israel will be saved. It's this look at the future as, as the kingdom of God continues to go forward. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's a lot of the words of Jesus in the first century. Um, and that after this has happened and after the world has been fully evangelized. Um, so we look at the Great Commission after that's happened um, and the Gospels went to the ends of the earth. Uh, Christ returns, I think I said last week, Yahtzee, right? He comes back, uh, the resurrection of the just and the unjust, the great white throne judgment simultaneous with the Bema seat. Uh, for those who have followed Christ, have believed the Gospel, embraced it, uh, become Holy Spirit-filled uh, Christians, they will go into eternal bliss. For those who have not, uh, they will go into eternal damnation. And so that's just the belief in short. So if I if I back it up, though, and I'm not talking about just looking forward from the millennium, the millennium begins in the post-mill mind with the advent of Jesus. Um, it was inaugurated when he said the kingdom of God is at hand in Mark chapter 1 at the beginning of his ministry. And at the end of his ministry, uh, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, therefore go. And so um, the post-mill are going to look at you know those first 11 disciples, and eventually whenever the Matthias is put back on the team there after Judas, um, that, that those 12 disciples were able to evangelize in such a way that over a billion people believe today, and billions more will believe in the future. So that's kind of okay. Yeah. I don't know if that's a you know that's just in general. Again, we we typically start to kind of get in the weeds in a few little areas, but if I was to do a broad overview, I would say 
that that rock that came and crushed the kingdoms in Daniel chapter 2. And it started off as just a rock that crushed all the kingdoms, and then it grew into a big mountain that filled the whole earth. That's kind of a look at the coming of Christ in the post yep. months. Parable of the leaven gradually spread. You got it. Yep. 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 I'll get it. it. Lesser seed, start small, mm. then yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, understand. So the belief, but just simply, is the second coming of Christ occurs after the millennium. That's yep. the term post, right? Millennial reign, as you said, uh, described in Revelation mm-hmm. 20. Verses one through six is really just is not a not a literal, right. but just represents a long period of time when through the preaching of the gospel, yeah. most of the world will submit to Jesus Christ. Right during this time, um, your understanding, Post Mill's understanding, is that Satan has no power over the earth, and evil regimes will collapse. Um, sort of. Okay, well, sort I'm, of. I'm reading verbatim out of the Post Mill view. Y- yeah. Well, well, what that means is. So, so to say that like Satan has no power, right, would be ridiculous. Whenever you see war going on and things like that, it's kind of like L- what Luther said is that Satan is like a mean dog, but he's on a chain. And so, you know, according to like God's sovereign will, at the preaching of the gospel and the heralding of the gospel, that his kingdom becomes ineffective against the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? And so they, they wouldn't say that well, all evil. No, because I'm not post mill, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I understand what you're saying. I understand yeah, what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it's like it would say this that that at any moment, because the gospel exists, it can eradicate the evil in a person's heart and bring death to life. That kind mm-hmm. of a okay, yeah, right. Here are the notes about pre. Um, I'm sorry, post mill also says that a period of great tribulation may precede the millennium, mm-hmm. but that's kind of negated by what because you said that the, the millennium really started at the first coming of Christ. I think when you look at Revelation chapter twenty, the idea there is that Satan is loosed for a little while. Oh, oh, I got gotcha. you. So get what I'm saying? that would be. Mm-hmm. Which in Revelation twenty was after the millennium, but you would say that's after, right before the coming before of Christ. Yachty. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, okay, and we mentioned this earlier that there's a few, uh, uh, definitely a minority in the post millennial camp, mostly the charismatic camps mm-hmm. that would say that um, what what they embrace what's called a dominion mm-hmm. post millennialism, which is that through the contemporary contemporary charismatic movement. God has been binding Satan, yeah, just through yeah. kind of their the the power spiritual warfare encounters yeah, type sure. type deal, yeah. But I would say this: uh, remove the charismatic kind of uh, idea from it, yeah. <clears throat> and I would say most of your post mill guys are dominion uh, in a way, though, because we believe that government is better when it's run. Right by Christians who oh, have a Christian I mean, worldview. Any Christian would think that education, yep. whenever yep. it's taken dominion by Christians. So there's like this. Sure. There's this group of post mill that are high octane. Let's take dominion in all these areas because it's better for everybody. I even totally if somebody's agree with not that. a believer. Yeah, so, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, and then the, one more statement from the post mill views: when church, when the church recognizes the fullness of its power through the Holy Spirit, the church will establish God's kingdom on earth and usher in the millennium, the golden age. Boy, don't you like the sound of that? That just sounds so good to me. I like the idea of the Come church help me. Let's do realizing it. the fullness of its power in the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Let's do I mean, it. I think all of millennialism, yeah. you know, yeah. all of them, we'll, we'll totally agree <laughs> with that. Uh, some things Post Mill emphasizes. Um, big... Big, and this is what I do like about it, the big emphasis on the importance of proclaiming the gospel. Yep. Again, I think every view, 
every view would would say, yeah, we got to be proclaiming the gospel, but yeah. your view hinges on that mm-hmm. happening, yeah. right? So that, I do like that. Well, there's there's just a real belief in the post mill like mindset that the gospel is so effective. Right mm-hmm. there's this there's this optimistic view that oh man this person is they are definitely spiritually dead yeah the They're gospel the cannot be stopped right yeah right. which I is like which that. is true yeah. yeah yeah I agree with that um, but I mean here so here's a post mill term here and I, I'm mm-hmm. not sure you would agree with this but maybe maybe you do um, it says that um, the gospel will eventually spread in such a way that nearly everyone in the world will turn to Jesus Christ yeah that's that's kind of like a Romans 11 kind of mindset there. So that's the Yahtzee moment? Yeah. Is that the – yep. Yeah, and maybe maybe like a, a last then ditch effort by Satan who's loosed uh, and then Yahtzee. Okay. All right. Very good. <clears throat> or, or not, maybe like um, it could be, yeah, nearly everybody's saved. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense for – Satan to come after the Yahtzee, would it? Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so here in the, just the broad scope notes, yeah. it even mentions a scripture verse. I'm going to read this. Mark three twenty seven. Yeah. Uh, where Jesus is talking. He says, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the, the strong, strong man. man. Then yep. indeed he may plunder his house. So mm-hmm. post mill take this verse, yep. right? And apply yep. it to the work of the gospel. Yeah. And so yeah. that's and one verse where you get particular. that Satan is bound because yeah. Jesus is bound the strong yeah. man. Mm-hmm. So therefore Jesus can go plunder the goods, which Absolutely. is sharing the gospel. Yeah. Right. And and people come into faith in the gospel. And so he uses that word uh, binding in, in the context of uh, the binding of Satan when Jesus came, which was you know, um, the miracles, the deeds that he did. And that's why that's why this idea of the kingdom, this perspective of the kingdom from Post Mill, is a little bit bigger than just salvation. It brings healing and gospel, and yeah. that's what gospel does, right? It brings hospitals. It brings good things to society and culture and education and all of those things. So this idea of the kingdom is not just this idea of, of the gospel. The seed is the gospel, right? But then it spreads into all these areas of life. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, St. Augustine, or Augustine, as you say it, right? Even though he went down in history as the first amillennialist, he's quoted here um, on how he understood this verse about the strong man to mean that before Jesus can claim his kingdom, Mm -hmm. those that are lost or the possessions of Satan or the strong man must come under the control of Jesus. So postmillists believe that this golden age um, that's being described is, is is listed in like Psalm chapter two. Which what what, yeah. what does that talk about? It talks about um, Psalm chapter two is about the nations coming to Christ. So ask of me, right, and I'll give the nations to you. Yeah, and they'll that's be right. yeah. So. And so yeah, like you mentioned, postmillennialists tend to emphasize the power of the gospel to transform societies and mm-hmm. individual lives. Right. Yeah. So a few other things here, according to postmillennialism. During the millennium, Christ will rule the earth through his spirit and through his church. He will not be physically present on the earth. So in that way, it's very it's the same as amillennialism, right? Right. 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 Um, according to postmillennialism, the resurrection depicted in Revelation chapter 20 represents the spiritual regeneration of people who trust in Jesus Christ. Right. Again, just like amillennialism mm-hmm. from last week. Yep. So the first resurrection is regeneration, the right. new birth, when we're saved, when we're yep. born again. Okay. 
Um, according to postmillennialism, the second coming of Christ, the final conflict between good and evil, the defeat of Satan, and the physical resurrection of all people, and the final judgment will all occur together yeah. immediately after the millennium. Revelation 20, verses 7 through 15. Okay. You agree with that? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm a little foggy on the exact timeline right okay. there at the very end. Okay. Uh, but that's that's my um, that's me. That's not the the view. No, so sure. What sure, you sure. read, I think, is yep. is accurate. Okay. Yeah. Um, some scripture verses that post post millennialists often cite. We mentioned some of them mm-hmm. already, uh, but the reality that every ethnic group will receive the gospel before the second coming. Yeah. Matthew twenty four fourteen. We talked about that. Uh, I think that's a very similar verse in Mark 13. Uh, we mentioned the first resurrection. Revelation 20, verse 4 could refer to the spiritual resurrection. Mentioned that already. Um, but they cite Romans 11, which you already did. Also Ephesians 2, 1 through 4. Yep. We were dead in our trespass, but he has mm-hmm. made us alive together in Christ. Um, also emphasize the second coming of Christ and resurrection of all people, saved and unsaved, occur at the same time. Yep. Same as Amil, mm-hmm. Daniel 12, John chapter 5. As we talked about this past Sunday, Matthew chapter 25, mm-hmm. the sheep and the goats being separated at the same time. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the history of post-millennialism. <clears throat> when, did it, when did it first kind of hit the, hit the scene theologically and um, that sort of thing? Um, according to the notes here, the earliest writer who was clearly post-millennial was a, a gentleman named Joachim of Fior, who lived in the 1100s. Although many historians believe some early church leaders, such as Eusebius of Caesarea, Athanasius of Alexandria, uh, and here some even claim that Augustine was post-millennialist, not an amillennialist, which is interesting. Do you have any? Do you have any data on that in your brain that you've read before? Well, I think I think the difficulty in figuring out from some of those early church fathers if they were post or ah is because the the views are pretty. You know they're similar. They're similar. Yeah. They really are. <clears throat> like you said, the the understanding of the first and second resurrection, um, the coming at the end of the millennium, that kind of a thing, very very uh, similar. So yeah, you see it as early as probably Augustine, but you know people are kind of divided on whether or not he was our post, right? And and I told you like you know not too long ago. I, to make the the jump from autopost, like I listened to a lecture by James R. White, the apologist, and I was kind of like, wow, um, I see where he's coming from because I, he had been in the ah camp for so long. It was just kind of like the final nail in the coffin for me. But its influence really began to take off during the 18th century. So during the more modern missionary movement, mm-hmm. um, when you look at guys like William Carey, the father yep. of modern missions, yep. um, you'd mentioned Adoniram, Adoniram Judson, Judson right? Hudson Taylor, Hudson I mean, even Taylor. our own tribe, mm-hmm. uh, Lottie Moon. You know, yeah, um, and you Amy see these Carmichael, guys, you and know. it's it's interesting when you look at those guys, right? Is you see a guy like Hudson Taylor who you know he plants all these churches and things, but the other things he did too were hospitals. Yep, oh, right. Sure. He did schools. Started th- China Inland Mission. Yeah, you know? I think he started something like maybe it was William Carey. One of them started Orphanages. over a hundred yep. schools. Yeah, yep. George Mueller, kind of this. Yeah, right. These guys did so much for society and culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when you look at like a William Wilberforce, you know, you, you've got these guys who also are just obsessed with like the morality of a culture, which yep. is. Pulling away from God. Yeah, if you don't know who William Wilberforce is, he led the charge to abolish slavery exactly. in Great Britain. Yeah, yep. which which led us in America yep. as well later. It's really spurred huge... the abolition movement here. Absolutely. Yeah, and yep. so <clears throat> yeah, definitely the 1800s saw yeah. the the a sharp spike. Yeah, 
in post-millennialism with this optimism, hey, the gospel's going to the nations, yeah, yeah. things are happening. William Carey goes to India, and, and that that whole country is changed yeah. because of the power of the gospel. Right. You know, they get rid of practices like seti, which is where if a husband died, the woman, his wife was burned with him, even though she was still alive. Right. These horrible right. practices right. that came to an end because yep. of the power of the gospel. Right. So right. yeah, that we saw that sharp increase. Mm-hmm. However, you saw you saw where post millennialism mm-hmm. really declined uh, in the nineteen hundreds, yeah, right? 1930s, with World War One yeah, and 40s, World War Two. Because yeah. really the kind of a accurate or not, kind of the um, a perception of post millennialism yeah. is that this world is going to get to be gradually a better and better yeah. and better place. Well obviously when you have World War One and World War Two mm-hmm. happen, it was horrific. Right, you know how the world wouldn't get better; it's getting worse in that in that yeah. perception, right? So, so you saw this huge drop off in post millennialism. To even when you know I was in seminary, and like um, even you know Kevin and these younger guys in seminary now, very few of their professors have even addressed post millennialism as a as an as a you know a view to even be acknowledged. However, yeah. that's changing now. Yeah, we're we're starting to see another turn, mm-hmm. an, a rapid increase in those like you. You know, you've you've abandoned awe to go to post. Um, R. C. Sproul abandoned yeah. awe, and he became post mill before he passed away. Um, you have other other guys like. Um, B.B. Warfield, he yeah. was an adamant post You mentioned Jonathan Edwards, yeah. probably the greatest theologian in American yeah. history yeah. was post-millennial. Um, you know, Charles Hodge, R.L. Dabney, Lorraine Bettner, I don't yeah. know who some of those people are, but Augustus Strong, um, some, so some pretty big names um, that are post-millennialist. Yeah. But today you also have modern people like Doug Wilson. Yeah. You know, he's kind of a, a major voice. You, men- you mentioned James White. Yep. A major voice for yeah. post-millennialism. Any others that you can think of that you have read or listened to um, that would advocate uh, a strong post-millennial well, view? A lot Bodie your, Balkum? Yeah, I don't know. if I, don't, I think did he, he may be from odd. Odd. He was odd. Did he switch <clears> to did post? Did you hear that? I didn't I don't, I don't know. Somewhat, it's it's yeah. in my brain. It wouldn't surprise did. me, but you have a lot of your Presbyterian guys. I mean, Vody's reading his Bible, so it could, <laughs> it could be. Now, here's the deal, though. I will say this, and this is what's really interesting, right? Is when you kind of follow like a theological track, if you're just you're trying to be as, as honest as you can with your exegesis and your Bible, just yep. taking out of the text what it says, um, you you can see because like I mean, you can see how hard this issue is because I'm I'm trying to kind of create a theological framework here to stay within it. You know, you were calling me out earlier whenever before the podcast started on not uh not you know having a a, a good hermeneutic there in Matthew 24. It got me to thinking for a minute. Um, you know, it's, it's really, this is a difficult issue Absolutely. to, to, to run in straight lines. Yeah. Um, and to do a good job exegetically with, because it's such a big the- theological idea. Yeah. And so uh, it's like if you're a Calvinist or you're an Arminian, mm-hmm. you could say, well, everybody's got a verse here yeah. or there that, that is really outside the lines of your theological framework. That's and right. How do you deal with yeah, that? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. That's and such so- a good point. You know, I know we, you know, just for our listeners, Martin and I, we, we rib each other a lot yeah. on this issue, right? But we yeah. genuinely are great friends and love each yeah. other. And yeah. we are both to the view that, you know, we want to believe what the Bible teaches. Yeah. So we're both open to changing yeah. our views if yeah. we're convinced of Scripture. I think we got to be about that way with everything. Yep. Absolutely. You know, so even though we have fun picking each other, we're, yeah. we're really, this is a quest. Yep. This is yep. a quest just to understand 
uh, the yeah. scriptures and understand because we know the Bible's inerrant. Yep. And if we don't have proper understanding, it's not the Bible's fault. Yeah. It's our own limited ability to understand. Right. Um, right. Especially something though is heavy and is complex. Yeah. Is eschatology because there's yeah. so so many verses. Yeah. You know, yeah. just so much about it. Yeah. So much about and, it. And and after this. <clears throat> after this is over in private, we're going to get in the conference room and we're yeah. going to whiteboard and try to persuade each other, you know. Yeah. And and I want to I want to hear everything and, and not just to debate. So just to no, I could right change. I might change. just to see, yeah. just to go in depth in it, right? But if I do change to the your position, I'm not going to say it publicly. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, somewhere I heard that it's funny you say that. Somewhere mm. I heard that um, even the John MacArthur. Yeah. Um, at one point, acknowledged that he might be wrong about a pre-trib rapture. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but he said, and this is all. This is all speculative. Oh, yeah. Not speculative. This is a uh, what's it, hearsay. Third this hand. Third hand. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so anyway, but but supposedly he said, well, but I've written so much about it already and taught so much, I can't I can't this late in the game come out as changing my view. I don't know if that's true or not, you know, but yeah. um, I, I can see that. But you know, I. I think that if I legitimately am biblically yep. persuaded that, hey, this is biblical truth and it's not pre-mill, yep. I think I would come forward and say that, I, I, yep. you know, because it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not one of our essential beliefs. Right, right. It's not essentials. And, yeah. you know, in our statement here at Canaan is in our non-essentials, we have liberty. So we can agree to disagree and love each yep. other, which you and I do at this point, yep. right? Yep. But it's still fun to talk. It as is. long as you keep the love and the the fellowship and the gospel centered. Yep. yep. The con these conversations can be had and done very well. Oh yeah. 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 Well, and, and I actually, remember growing it's actually up. very healthy. Very I, I healthy. think so too. But I but I remember growing up and hearing people talk eschatology and fighting about it. And mm-hmm. I actually avoided it for years. It's yeah. probably the least as far as topically in the Bible. I don't know about you, but theologically it's probably the least I've studied. And I love theology and I've studied it for years, but I've probably spent less time there because I've seen people fuss over it. <laughs> and fight yeah. over it. Yeah. Um, but I'm growing to love it. But in this context, it's great. I would carry the conversation on with anybody who, you know, had an open mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting. My, my first uh, encounter with eschatology was some of a conversation with my dad and um, who's now with Jesus, right? But my dad, he, he said, you know, I've been Southern Baptist almost all my life. He said, but there's two things I don't understand about us Southern Baptists. I don't understand why we don't have elders and why we believe <laughs> The rapture's the next thing to happen. <laughs> so that was always his big, his two yeah. big things, you know. Yeah. And so he like he like did a Bible study. I think my dad would he never yeah. classified himself. I think he would be considered historical pre mill. Yeah, in his view, but, um, which is what I claim as of right now. But um, anyway, yep. So it's it's just a lot of it's fun to study. It is. I think yeah. you can get to an unhealthy. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Like where it's all you study. Yeah. You know right. it's it's right. it's it's a non essential. Yeah. So it's good to know. It's good to study. But yeah. Yeah. People do become possessed with it, they obsessed do. with it, yeah, you know, and they do. I, that, there's a balance there. We still have yeah. to walk with Jesus day to day to share the gospel. So you got to do missions Still got to, yeah. you know, there's, there's 66 books in the Bible and yep. not all of it's about eschatology. Yeah. So right. we've got to be balanced. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think you have the two extremes. You have the extreme of avoiding it altogether. That's not good. Mm-hmm. Then you have the extreme. That's all you talk about, read about, think about, study. Right. I, I think both of those extremes are unhealthy. Yeah. 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 But it's it's interesting. So yeah. hey, so um, next week we're going to start a new thing. Um, still on eschatology, but we're going to new a new section. Next week we're going to dive into Revelation, okay. specifically Revelation twenty. Good. We're going to go through Revelation twenty because mm-hmm. that is the only ver only passage in the mm-hmm. entire Bible mm-hmm. 
that specifically mentions the millennium. Yep. yep. And yet all these theological systems are built on that one passage. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, that's where we're going next week. And so we'll look at that verse and we'll talk about the four views, view of that passage and unpack that next week. If you have any questions or comments, send them our way at info at org, And we'll talk to you next time on Canaan STL Podcast. Mm-hmm.